Welcome to the new podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can find out more about us and hear more messages at MyGatewayFellowship.com. I'd like to condense four sermons into one message of contemplation today. Is that all right with you? But to do that, we've got to scramble really fast, which means I can only tell you the narrative. It's found in, in John chapter 8, it's found in Luke 17, it's found in Matthew uh, 23, 22. Um, it's found toward the end of Matthew, and it's also found in the second to the last chapter of John. These are the four synoptic gospels, for those of you who care, <laughs> for those who are into theology. What you do is you go into scripture and you follow one person's life. It's fascinating stuff. And... and um, uh, my, my assignment today is to discuss how God builds community, and I want to give you the answer first. The way God builds, builds community is one person at a time. Now remember, when he started building his community, what he called his kingdom, right? My kingdom is not of this world. He walked up to two fishermen who were busy fighting, cussing each other out. they gotten kicked out of the schools of Israel, and he says to them, follow me. You want to catch real fish? I'll teach you how to catch men and women. Just follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. How did he say it? Now you got to throw some phlegm in. If you have a a cold today, it's going to be perfect. Come, follow me. See, you're learning some Hebrew. Mm, You know you're excited now. But but we're, we're not... Let's go hurry before he finds out that we're worthless people. You see, when Jesus started building community, he started from the bottom, not the top. He went into the neighborhood, not the residential district. I hope you know the difference. See, I'm from the neighborhood. We had, I mean, the residential district, all the wires are underground, and it's pretty. Even the dogs are nice. In the neighborhood, everyone's got the same dog. He looks identical from house to house. And there are more telephone poles than anything else in the neighborhood. There are more telephone poles and wires than trees. And you got those tennis shoes hanging up there. You know what they're for, right? Why are those tennis shoes hanging up there? For those who are in the street ministry. It is a drug spot. That's where you sell or buy drugs or a demarcation between gang territories or distribution territories. People die around those tennis shoes. So after dark, don't go out to where the tennis shoes are. Notice that they're always brand new. You wish you had them. They're about your size. $200 pair of Nikes sitting up there. That's why they're precious. Okay, see, that's the neighborhood. Jesus went in to, to Jerusalem after calling these two men, found a known embezzler, a public embezzler, Matthew, who stole millions of dollars from his own people, and he walks up to him, and he says, Lech acharai. Immediately he left his table and followed him. And then, and then he, want, he found two guys named the Sons of Thunder. We call them very similar today, and it means the exact same thing. It's a very demeaning, these guys are bad people. And he walks up to them and says, Lech acharai, come, follow me. Before you know it, Jesus has 11 of the worst misfits in the community as his disciples. These guys all had issues. Some of them were wanted by the law. These guys had addiction issues. These guys had mouth issues. These guys had attitude problems. These guys were not the ones who sat in the front pew in the synagogue. Most of these guys had not been to church in years. 
Then the twelfth guy shows up. My name is Judas. Can I follow you all? Sure, join us. See, that's another misfit. A politician. Well-loved, respected. Public accountant. Had embezzled lots of money. Nobody knew about it because he had left much for the church to benefit from. He had lined his own pockets. Very skilled at positioning people for success. So there he was with 12 men. You see, Jesus could not call women to be disciples. It was against the law. A young man with a young you can't men, women could not be alone somewhere. So he had to find more creative ways. And that's where our narrative begins. And we're going to roar through, okay? Are you ready to follow a story? It started at the steps of the temple in John chapter 8, beginning with verse 2. Jesus is preaching. There's probably a thousand people there because most of those people could not go into the temple because most of them were not Jewish. And so he stayed outside on the steps speaking when all of a sudden the meeting's interrupted by a group of priests bringing a prostitute. You know the story. She's approximately 14 years old. She's from Bethany. What's her name? Mary, we learn later. She was thrown at his feet. The law of Moses says that such people should die for their sins. Oh, Jesus' specialty. He always called sinners, remember? He came to work the bottom. He works from the bottom up. And, and, and so that was their first mistake. If you ever want to hurt somebody, you don't take them to the feet of Jesus. You see, they, she landed at the feet of Jesus. And he starts writing in the sand. You know the story. And one by one, they all shut up. Why? Because they themselves had sins in their own lives. When you point your finger at somebody, there's three more pointing back at you. Just remember, she did it. Well... What did you do? Because there's three pointing back at you. It's hard to point it unless you do it this way. Well, he did it. When I teach public speaking, you always point like this because it's it's non-threatening. But if I point like this, even for a good thing, I I didn't do it. See, but if I point like this, see, that's public speaking. But when you accuse, you never do it this way. She did it. No, it's she did it. Okay, see? Now suddenly... We're told in verse 10 that Jesus stops writing long enough. And this poor girl, he says, where are those who condemn you? They're, they're all standing there quietly now. Nobody. And so now Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. The reason why the choir of heaven sings says to this prostitute, neither do I condemn you. And then he asked her to be a disciple. Go. Sin no more. There's only one way to gain victory over sin. You hang out with Jesus. But he can't come out and say, why don't you come out and hang with us? I mean, she's a prostitute. You can't quite publicly fit this wide open for misunderstanding. Handsome guy from Nazareth says to this girl, come, you know, be a disciple. I don't think so. But he says, you don't have to live this way anymore. He's offering her a better life. He must have told one of the disciples, why don't you, a couple of you guys walk her home. Where do you live, sweetheart? Bethany, that's eight kilometers. They walk back to the house. And so then, most of us finished the story there, but I want to tell you a little about this little girl. Mary was from Bethany. Her sister's name was Martha. They were always fighting because Martha did all the housework, all the cooking, all the dishes, and Mary just hung out, ate, and worked the streets. A, a rough kid. Number two, Mary had gone to the home of a priest uh, named um, Simon, and he had abused her since childhood at his home. And Simon was a priest in Bethany. This could make a movie, huh? This poor girl was abused by a man of God. That's why we're all equal in the presence of God. No one of us is better than the other. 
but we have callings from God of which we will be held accountable for. But as far as being human, we're only humans depending on God. So now, Jesus comes to Bethany. And you realize now that Simon is probably the guy who told the priest, if you need a girl to set up Jesus at Jerusalem, I have just the person for you. He's probably the one who set up Mary to be the girl that they threw at Jesus' feet down in Jerusalem that day. Well, now Jesus comes to town and he finds Simon. The priest now has leprosy. This is an incurable at the time. It, finally, we do have a responsive medication for it. It, it, it kills your nerves in, in your, in your um, uh, extremities. And as your nerves die, any wound, any injury, you don't feel it. And you could have gangrene and stuff falls off. And, and, and there are people who you can't tell have leprosy. And others you can grotesquely tell they have leprosy. It all depends on what injuries they've been exposed to and where they're living, etc., etc. But now there's a medication that stops the process. But back then, it was incurable, and it was believed that God had cursed you. That's why you had leprosy. Simon the priest got leprosy, and he was immediately dismissed from the temple. Jesus shows up, and what does Jesus do for Simon? What does Jesus do for any sinner? He blesses him and heals the guy. Did he deserve healing? No, the guy was a scumbag. He ruined a child's life. He was unrepentant, but he became ill. And what does Jesus do? He treats us all the same. He loves us. He heals Simon. Now Simon's excited because you got thrown out of the temple. You, you had to shout unclean and people horrified would run away from your presence. And now he's been healed. So Simon decides in the book of Luke to throw a party for Jesus. Okay, now he's going to invite all these priests who hate Jesus to celebrate. So he's got a house full of Jesus haters to honor Jesus. I wonder how often that happens in today's world. Folks, well, you know, the cross, you know, I had someone tell over here in a few miles that way, say out loud one day, the cross of Christ was not enough. Dude, what do you think, Pastor? I said, that's blasphemy. Because His grace, His cross was sufficient for us. That's blasphemy. You repent of those words. No, man, the, we have to do... What has He done? Are you going to ignore... You see, when Jesus deals with sinners, He really does. Now Simon's throwing a party for Jesus. And um, who here understands the Hebrew holy kiss? I have many rabbi friends. And when we see each other, hey, Jake, Jacob Rubenstein. When I see him, Jake, and it's always very different for me. He's a big bearded guy. I'm a mustachier guy. We kind of tangle a little bit. You know, we both have to kind of straighten up after the greeting. And one day at the White House, it was the same way. Jake, hey. President had to stand by as we, it was embarrassing. Because it's not tradition here in America to exchange the holy kiss. But in a Jewish home, an Orthodox Jewish home, and in Arab homes, uh, Orthodox Muslim homes, the holy kiss. When I see my Muslim friends, same thing. Uh, it's always the kiss, you know? And, you know, it's, it's very, very powerful. It's 
very manly in these uh, uh, traditions and, and values of spiritual commitment. And so when, when you had a guest of honor in an Israeli home, you receive him how? Welcome, welcome. That's why Jesus was offended with, 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 with uh, uh, Judas Iscariot at the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, Lord, my Lord, my God, you, you, you betray me with, with the holy kiss? Something so sacred, something so holy, and you come and ID me for arrest and beating and death with the holy kiss? You see why Jesus was hurt? You don't mess with the holy kiss. I pronounced a couple in marriage two weeks ago. There's always the best part of any wedding. I now pronounce you, you get this chill down your spine. You'll see, Jack. I now, with authority vested in me, you feel the electricity as the Holy Ghost descends on a couple. The pronouncement. But then when you finally tell them, you, sir, may kiss your wife. Now that is a holy kiss. It is. I've had to witness hundreds of them. Okay, you guys, there are children present. Hey, yeah, con calma. Your mom is here. <laughs> the holy kiss can go on for a while. This is passionate love. This is in the presence of God. You see what I'm talking about? When Jesus got to Simon's house, they didn't kiss him. Everybody there hated him. Only Simon was happy, but he was too excited. And always, 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 you took off their sandals and washed their feet because they walked eight dusty kilometers from Jerusalem, washed their feet, freshen up. Then there was always some perfume, welcome, to kind of blend in with the sweat and have you smell a little nice. You know, welcome, welcome. The holy kiss, the feet, and the perfume. Well, now they're sitting eating. You know it was a good meal. There had to be enchiladas, tacos. There had to be burritos. I could just see a couple pupusas because we do have a strong Salvadoran community in Jerusalem as well and so suddenly in the middle of the meal Mary heard they were there remember the little girl from the street she knew her way around that house she had suffered there for many years the book of Luke tells us that she snuck in from behind through a back door that nobody was watching found her way around on her hands and knees to the feet of Jesus at this long table with all these men sitting there. And there she broke an alabaster. It was a carved stone pot. They called it a box. You had to break off the top because there was no screw top. You had to break it off. And we will not ask where she got the money to buy such expensive perfume. She began her little ceremony. Now the last time she was at Jesus' feet, she was thrown there. This time, she found her way there on her own. She begins to anoint him with perfume. And everybody, you know how it is when you shake hands with somebody at the church one book. Wow. Who is it? And you don't know among the hundreds of hands you shake it. Somebody smells nice and you start retracing your steps. I got to have this stuff. I don't care if it's at Macy's. So, so much for my rent. I'm going to go get it. And you can never quite find who put that smell on your hand. But for the rest of the day, it smells nice. You just don't know who or where. Well, all of a sudden, these guys, they smell. The, it, was, it was overpowering the enchiladas, and it's hard to do. 
and the onions and the salsa and the jalapenos forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ceremony, she gets overwhelmed. <laughs> she starts crying. And her tears kind of mess up all this perfume that she's this oil-based perfume. And in her simplicity, she grabs her hair and, and, and tries to take the tears off so she can continue her little ceremony. When suddenly, Simon, remember the man who abused this child, notices her. Oh, and he calls himself the Messiah. Quote, if he only knew who it was that is touching him, she is a sinner. The man who abused her considers her a sinner. You know how blind we can become when we get into ourselves so much that everybody's a sinner except us? That's why Paul exclaimed, I'm the chief of sinners. Every day I have to die for the Lord. Every day my sinfulness is before me. I know I'm not worthy, but by His mercy He allows me to live in His presence. Now that's the person who can serve somebody. But if someone serves, well, I'm better, so I'm going to help you. Because obviously you're not better. That kind of person is a dangerous Christian. Don't you ever, don't you ever fall into that way of thinking that because I know Jesus I'm better than somebody we're all the same we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ our Lord if he knew who she was and he's calling himself the 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 Messiah and Jesus interrupts his thing Simon huh yes master I need your advice oh uh in, in, in front of all these guys me we have a high priest over here. You want my advice? Yes, please, fire off. There's a guy who loaned two people money. He loaned one guy five bucks. He, he loaned another guy 50,000 bucks. Neither man could repay him. So guess what he did? He forgave them both of their sins. Okay, so he's thinking of a Simon's sins, and he's thinking of this girl's sins, and Simon's not thinking at all. He just thinks he's holy. And so he says, I need your advice. Which one of these two guys is going to be the most grateful? Oh, that's easy. The one he forgave the most. And Jesus says the equivalent in Hebrew of bingo. I walked into this house and nobody kissed me. This little girl has been kissing my feet since she walked in. I walked into your house and nobody washed my feet but this girl's washing my feet with her own tears I walked into your house and nobody put any perfume on me she's anointing me for burial because you cover the whole body with perfume before you bury them in Israeli tradition she's anointing me for burial in other words girls giving me a bath in perfume And he turns to this little girl now in front of this horrified group of priests. Now they remember, oh, that's the one we took and dumped at his feet. Oh, pass me another enchilada. (laughs) And so Jesus turns to this little girl now, who's approximately 16 now. And he says to her, your many sins are forgiven you. And who can forgive sins but God? Excuse me. Your many sins are forgiven. Go. Your faith has saved you, mijita. Go, go. 
was the first thing she ever heard out of his mouth in Jerusalem? Neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. Now what is the second thing she hears out of his mouth? Your many sins are forgiven you. You see, we serve a God who's in the business of forgiving. Have you asked him? Ask and you shall receive. I don't think God will ever forgive me. Have you asked him? No, then no wonder. He'll never forgive you if you don't ask him. But try asking. And you shall receive. First John 1 John 1.9 If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to do two things. Forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all the rest of it. Wash you whole. Give you a bath. That, that, that's a keep complete cleaning. Wouldn't you agree? Well, many people, oh, what a pretty story. Amen. It doesn't end there. Now Jesus became close to the family. Martha and her brother Lazarus invited him to the house. They gave him his own room. When Jesus came through town, he stayed at the house so he could keep track of this little girl. Okay, Mary, what's up? Okay, I helped with dishes. I know she's going to disagree, but I did help. I did two pots. Out of 50 pots. And they were never getting along because Martha did all the housework and Mary did all the eating. <laughs> I know that doesn't happen at your house. <laughs> the Mary Martha thing is legendary in Scripture because one worked and the other one just ate and ran around and so jesus was there and now lazarus became his best friend which means what of the whole family they were all best friends but a man could not be best friends with a woman because of of the cultural value that a man and woman can't be that means he was best friends like you and i could be best friends with jesus come on now is jesus the guy you see on weekends tell the truth imagine you only see your loved one once a week i love you i'll see you next sunday is that how it works? Love is every day, all day long. Jesus ain't something we put on once a week. For me to live is Jesus, is what the apostles came to exclaim. Well, now Jesus is preaching in Jerusalem. And a, a servant, about a year and a half later now, comes running. And he says, Master, bad news for Bethany. Lazarus, he's desperately ill. He's not expected to make it past the night. We'll be at the house. We'll be waiting. And the two servants ran off. And Jesus said, okay, where was I? I was interrupted. And he continued preaching. Even the disciples freaked. This story is found in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. He kept preaching. Okay, I thought that was his best friend. Yeah. But for Jairus, a complete stranger, he stopped everything and ran to the house. How come he's not running for his best friend? See, Jesus won't do what we want. Jesus will always do what he wants. We call it his will, right? See, now we don't always understand God's will. Well, if he's a God of love, why does he? Well, I don't know. Quit asking. We cannot know the will of God. But John chapter 11 says, Jesus knew what he was going to do. So when people get mad at me, I usually get a tongue lashing, especially at funerals. And you call your... Whatever I say, I'm in trouble. All I could say is God knows what he's going to do. We just don't know. But he knows what he's going to do. Well, Jesus preached for four days. And the disciples were mad. I thought this was his best friend. Well, suddenly it got worse. We better get going to to Bethany, Jesus says. And Peter says, well, that means Lazarus is better. No. Lazarus died. It's as if he knew. See, Jesus can sometimes confuse us because we don't know his will. 
But please be assured, he knows his will. And he knows what he's going to do. Well, by the time they're getting close to town, Mary tells the two servants and everybody, you guys wait here. I don't want anybody around with what I'm going to tell this man. She runs out to meet Jesus and tells him, had you been here, my brother would not have died. Where have you been? This better be good. Where have you been? Jesus, I was over here in Jerusalem. You should have been here. We did. We sent servants. I've been accusing my servants. Of, no, no, they did. They told me. But why weren't you here? We weren't here. Mary, he's going to live again. I know he's going to live again, but that's not until the resurrection. And who knows when that will be? Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even if he dies, he will live again. Oh, I'm sorry. I just kind of like, I, I just went crazy. My big brother, and, and you didn't come in. Where have you laid him? Over here. But he's been buried for four days. It's really bad. Take me. Take me to the cemetery. Now everybody's coming. Martha came and she started yelling at him. You know, rewind the tape and let's do it all over again. And now they get to the cemetery. And the whole town showed up. See how he weasels out of this. His best friend got sick. He healed total strangers. But when it comes to his own, he just lets them die. And so suddenly... Move the stone. Uh, Master, it's been really hot and uh, the body's in no condition. The stench, please, move the stone. Please, I've tried. He's not listening. Please, Master, please. For the last time, move the rock. Or do I have to do it? Okay, 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 okay. And as they move the stone covering the cave, the stench that came out made it clear that Jesus' best friend had died. And then the shortest verse in the Bible happens. Verse 35 of John 11. Jesus wept. His humanity came out. Don't forget that while divine, he was also human. He is also human. He is not only the son of God, he's the son of man, the son of humanity. As he wept before the grave of his best friend. He prays and he thanks his father for his mystery. Lazarus, come forth. Everybody turns to look. And there he comes. Still wrapped in a sheet. And they carried him home and there was a feast. Because Lazarus had not eaten in four days. Let's just say he was hungry. Mary saw her big brother back. Now, many of us finished the story there. But no, since you agreed, I can quickly rush through it, right? The Sanhedrin issued a death decree for Jesus and Lazarus. Because now many thousands, behold, all of Galilee was following after him. Many thousands were now marveling. This is the guy who'd been dead for four days. I was there. I smelled the stench. It all went away. He came out of a tomb. People were touching Lazarus. He was dead. He's alive. It's his best friend. Jesus takes care of his own. Before it was, oh, that's his best friend. He never healed him. 
Now it's his best friend. Even after four days in the grave, he brought him out. Are you Jesus' best friend? We're all his best friends. Mm-mm. Have you thought about that? He takes care of his own. And so now the story ends. No, now they had to flee. Poor Lazarus, he already died once. Now they want to kill him again. So they fled to Edom, which is now the nation of Jordan. They had to cross the Jordan by night. Remember at the beginning of Jesus' life, they had to flee to Egypt because they were killing all these babies, boys, two years and under. Now at the end, there's a death decree, and Jesus and Lazarus and the 12 disciples fled to Edom, and they hid there for over a month until they gave up looking for him to kill them. Then he goes back to Jerusalem. He rides a donkey triumphantly into town, which is what they did for a prince before they crowned them. But instead of allowing himself to be crowned king of Israel, he went to the temple and cleaned the place up. They were making money there instead of soul winning. They were building an earthly kingdom instead of a heavenly kingdom. The the worst of the worst were not welcome there, only the best of the best. Jesus works from the bottom up. He looks for the worst of us so that he can make us his best. Does that make sense? We don't come to God because we're good. We come to God because he's good. And his mercy is everlasting. So now, Jesus goes and cries. He sits on Gethsemane, now overlooking the city of Jerusalem that Sunday afternoon. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that killed the prophets and everybody I sent to you. How often, like a chicken gathers her chicks under her wings, have I wanted to gather you? But instead, you just kill everybody that comes your way. He cried and cried. And by Thursday night, they took him under arrest. By Friday, he was declared innocent six times. One time before Herod, which was a federal judge, and, one, and five times before Pilate, another federal judge, governors of Judea and, 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 and northern Israel, and, and although declared innocent in a court of law, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Now Jesus is beaten within an inch of his life. His subcutaneous tissue is torn. He, we are, he went into shock. He went into congestive heart failure. Remember when they pierced his side? Blood from the wound and water from his lungs you see when congestive heart failure happens your lungs fill with fluid your body can no longer expel so it retains in the lungs jesus really was dying of a broken heart as he cried out on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me who cried out back mary she was there we're here we're here john's here the other teenager disciple All the adults had run for their lives. Your mom's here. We're we're here. Quit saying you've been left alone. We're here. Who responded? Mary. That little girl, Mary, was at the foot of the cross as he cried out, Why have you forsaken me? And then, as he said, Into your hands I commit commit my spirit. It is Jesus. As he died, who was it that sprang into action? that little girl Mary she started barking orders Joseph of Arimathea was there I have a brand new tomb okay we're going to need the tomb take them down the sun's going down hurry be careful with those hands and those feet pull the spikes carefully and they're wrapping his body she's screaming orders this little girl Mary took over in the transport of the body of God's only son a little former prostitute took command of the situation 
don't you ever look at a sinner the same way again because God looks at us not at how we are but what we will become that's what God invests in us he takes us right where we are because he doesn't want to leave us there he wants to turn us into something and so they get to the tomb and they deposit the body and Mary headed out with the soldiers we have orders to seal the tomb we're going to have a funeral get out of here or we'll kill you they shoved her they threw her she was used to being thrown around by men she was not afraid but they sealed the tomb and put armed guards and that Saturday she got together with Jesus' mom and a few other women the men folk are hiding they're afraid for their safety we're going to take care of business we're going to have a funeral I've anointed his body before we're going to anoint his body Sunday morning early and we're going to have a funeral I don't care what soldier gets in the way I'm going to bring a rock I'm going to take whatever I need and so on their way there was this earthquake strange quakes in Israel to this day that's still strange they run to the tomb and the stone had flown two three hundred feet snapping trees all the way down the hill as they look inside the tomb there's a smiling angel sitting in there morning why are you looking for the living (laughs) excuse me we're looking for Jesus why are you looking for the living among the dead he's not here He's risen just like he said. And the other women, including Jesus' mom, ran off rejoicing. But who stayed there? Mary. No. I was here. Oh, no. Somebody has stolen his body. I was here. He's the same guy who raised my brother. He's the guy who forgave me of my sins. He's the guy who who took me straight off the street. I know. I I was here. That wasn't him. Then the Bible says that she turned around and saw who she thought was the gardener. Mr. Martinez. Come on. Gardeners are all Latinos. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. We are your gardeners. (laughs) You work here. You see everything. Please just tell me where they took him. I just want to give him a decent burial. Please just tell me. And the gardener turns around. Mary. Only one man could pronounce her name like that. Mary, it was Jesus. She had been at those feet several times already. She scrambled to grab his feet and kiss his feet and bid him honor. No, no, don't touch me yet, mijita. I have not yet ascended to my father. Because there was a big jubilee waiting on him upstairs at a huge party. Then he was going to come back. Don't touch me yet. Wait, 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 wait. I have not yet ascended. But go tell the guys you saw me so she runs to the upper room where the twelve were hiding no somebody's knocking at the door it's the girl this is no time to wait tell her she's insistent hurry you gotta let me she may know something about soldiers they're gonna arrest us let her in let her in she came in I saw him he's alive mija we've all been traumatized no 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 He's alive. I just saw him in the garden. He's alive. Sweetheart, take a deep breath. Repeat after us. He died. He died. But he's alive. Okay, I took care of it. If you want to see him, you could see him in Galilee. I'm out of here. I'm on my way to Galilee. 
you guys stay here and cry all you want, a bunch of babies. I saw him. Her tough side came out. Mm. Don't ever forget Mary. A little girl abused who ended up on the streets with no hope. One day she landed at the feet of Jesus. So the day you land at the feet of Jesus, don't you dare complain. You thank God you, you landed in the right place. And then after that, he forgave her of her sins. And then after that, he blessed her family. And after that, even gave her back her older brother who had died. And after that, he rose again and gave himself back to her. And we think we know about sinners. The Lord starts at the bottom when he builds community. Come, follow me. Lech, acharai. Come, follow me. But I'm a sinner. That's right. Come, follow me. But I've messed up. I've done terrible things. Come, with more reason. Come, I'll change your life. I'll change your life. Mary is one of my inspirations of Scripture. So when you see a sinner out there, you just say, that's one of God's children. God sees in them what they will become. Never pass judgment on a sinner because we are all sinners. Does this make sense? It would have been easier over four nights, right? But I just had to talk to you about community today. As we conclude... Gateway Fellowship is not intended to be a big mega church. We have plenty of those in town. Praise the Lord. Take your pick. There are denominations, functional, all journeys of faith surrounding us. Take your pick. Amen. Gateway Fellowship is just that. A community of fellowship where God calls us one at a time. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is. I get 30 invitations per day. I'm able to accept one out of 300 invitations to travel the world. It is impossible to schedule me to go anywhere. But my heart belongs to Gateway. And when you see me, it's because I'm actually in town. I get invited by 70, 80 different churches in the area. They offer me money. <sighs> have to admit, when the mortgage come due... It is temptation. But I tell folks I'm sorry. My heart belongs to Gateway. I don't get paid here. I get to experience fellowship. We're just a little group of sinners who come together to fellowship in His presence. Like Mary, we bring our little alabaster and our, our little tokens of dedication to Him. Not because we're good, because He's good. We're we're here because half the time we're a mess and other times we're all excited other times we're all discouraged we're all, there are no two weekends alike but we're here because we're a little community and we love to listen to WGTS no matter how bad or how good the day is or turn on the radio, turn it up I'm mad today or turn it up, I'm happy today or turn it up or, but we don't turn it off you notice, we're just a little community that's why I'm here why are you here? Why are you here? Are you a sinner too, just like me? Let us hang on to him who saves us. Does that make sense? Now as we...
as we hear this special song I want you to think carefully about what God wants to do to transform your life if he transformed this abused little child and she became a woman of substance during the apostle years she became a preacher little Mary who worked the streets as a survivor of abuse became someone who brought people to the feet of Jesus and many were baptized because of the fruit of this little girl's labor what will God do with us here in the D.C. area. This is our time. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.